If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This episode is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Somebody stole our website. Oh no, whatever shall we do? I mean, I guess you could go to the new website, http colon slash slash breakingmathpodcast.app with no www for all you old timers. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. So breaking me podcast.app, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing. Hey, Breaking Math fans. First, I want to thank you for listening. I have an important message for everyone. You can start your own podcast right now with Anchor. Anchor lets you create and distribute your own podcast. Just get an idea, record, and upload. It's just that easy. Anyone can do it. I'm on my way to accomplishing my dream, and you can too. Just get on your device's app store and download Anchor. It contains everything you need to make a podcast. With Anchor, you can put your podcast on all the big platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Reach the whole world with Anchor. Best of all, Anchor is free. You have nothing to lose with a free platform. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Numbering was originally done with tally marks. The number of tally marks indicated the number of items being counted, and they were grouped together by fives. A little later, people wrote numbers down by chunking the number in a similar way into larger numbers. There were symbols for 10, 10 times that, and so forth. There were symbols for 10, 10 times that, and so forth, for example, in ancient Egypt. And we are all familiar with the ones, with I's, V's, X's, L's, C's, and D's, at least, of Roman numerals. 
However, over time, several people, including the Indians, Sumerians, and Mayans, had figured out how to chunk numbers indefinitely and make numbers count to seemingly uncountable quantities using the mind and write them down in a few easily mastered motions. These are known as place value systems, and the study of bases has its root in them. Talking about bases helps us talk about what is happening when we use these magical symbols. So what is eight, so when is eight plus eight 10? What does it mean to be a fractional base? And why do we have 10 distinct digits in our numbers? All of this and more on this episode of Breaking Math. Episode 50, episode 101. I'm Sophia. And I'm Gabriel. And you're listening to Breaking Math. Oh, it feels good to be back in the saddle. I know it's been a while, but there's nothing I like more than talking about math and physics and computer science. So it's great to be back. Thank you guys for being patient with us. Yeah, and uh, so as always, we have a few plugs. Uh, on Patreon, if you want a poster, you could go to uh, patreon.com slash breakingmath. Uh, the poster is of a tensor notation, which is used in uh, Einstein's general theory of relativity. It's just really cool. It's like a geometry of moving surfaces. Oh, and also you might hear uh, Gabriel's kid in the background from time to time. <laughs> That's right. I have my kiddo today with me. Uh, let's just call him Math Kid. And uh, he is three years old as of this month. And he is just singing at the top of his lungs because he loves to sing and announce his presence. So you may see me. You may hear Math Kid in the background. <laughs> and the poster tier is like uh, $22.46 a month on Patreon. If you just want to buy a poster outright, you should go to facebook.com slash breaking math podcast and uh, check out, out our uh, store there. And uh, so there it's nineteen. $15.65 total, which is $15.15 plus $4.50 uh, shipping and handling, $15.15 being E to the E dollars. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I want to mention uh, real quick, though, so the reason why we have it on both places is because the Patreon setup is is actually, it, it's set up as a support website with monthly donations. So if you buy it on Patreon, I think there's an automatic, there's not really a way for us to turn it off. They don't really have the option for uh, only one contribution. Um, so if you want to be a monthly supporter, of course, we, we, we certainly appreciate that but if you if you would just like the poster itself as Sophia said that's where you can go to the Facebook marketplace on facebook.com slash breaking math podcast um, also I want to mention what really excites me about this poster is obviously this podcast is an audio format but we have some phenomenal visual stuff as well now I hesitate to say we because really it's Sophia but I encourage her <laughs> right and uh, years ago about three years ago she was reading a couple of books on tensor calculus and she summarized them and uh, what, what excited me me is um, this was when we were both university students and if you go to a university bookstore you'll see these uh, little uh, printouts that are like, like a laminated couple of pages that, that'll show you all the major theorems in say trigonometry or algebra one or something like that it, it's very very helpful and this is essentially just like that but it's for uh, tensor calculus used in Einstein's general theory of relativity so it's like advanced it, it's it, it's like beyond linear algebra um, and uh, it mixes in calculus and it has a, an application in physics it's really really cool so just go to uh, facebook.com slash breaking math podcast or our, our patreon i know i've that sounds redundant but i'm just excited about it and i want to i want to explain the the um reason for its existence and the reason why we're excited about it so go check it out oh yeah, yeah. and also um we also find us on twitter at breaking math pod and our website is breaking math app yes app uh as you heard in the previous announcement we had some swashbucketing pirates steal uh breaking math podcast.com so we're back with pre with breaking math podcast app and we'd like to see you try to steal it yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not sure if we would like to see that, but no, we we wouldn't actually. Please don't steal Although it. Although I don't admin issues, but anyway. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Um, anyways, the the website's cool too. We've also got other things there, like some applets. Uh, if, if you guys want to see an n-dimensional hypercube, that's one of my favorite applets that Sophia has made, where it's in full color. You can see hypercube with uh, is it either uh, one through seventeen dimensions? Well, not one, but uh, two. It's, well, two as many as your computer will render but like 17 is already pushing it because 17 would would be um something like uh, like an eighth of a million uh different uh points would be in that cube yeah um and which is kind of funny to think about because it's just a cube but um it's just a flash applet there, there's also um uh there's oh not flash applet it's a uh, javascript applet there's also a klein bottle uh game of life um there's uh Fourier sequences there's a couple of cool things i've developed and uh, i want to put some more stuff on here now that i'm starting to really get into the groove with covid i know we had a couple of false starts with covid and uh we're hoping that this won't be one of those so Oh, no, no, I'm sure I won't. I'm sure I won't. So, so it's all good. So this episode is about bases. Um, I'm curious, Sophia, what, um, what, what inspired you to do an episode on bases? Well, because I thought it was episode 49 at first, um, because I thought, hey, big round number, 49, seven times seven. And then I just realized that we're on episode 50. So, uh, but the only, but the thing is about it being a round number like that is that any number, whether it be seven times seven or 60 times 60 or 12 times 12 or two times two, in some base can be written as one zero zero. And the reason why is because like a hundred, right? It's one followed by two zeros, right? Yes, that's right. And that one symbolizes within its use in that number, uh, it it has a value of about a hundred, right? Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In that use, yes, correct. Yeah, and if we put a two in there, it would be that two would have the value of two hundred, right? Yes. And if we put another zero after it, that two would have the value of two thousand. Yes, yes. And then as, as we notice that we, as we, we, we write more zeros, we keep multiplying by 10. Mm-hmm. And then some people might be thinking, okay, why do we multiply by 10? And the simple reason is that we just have 10 numerals that we usually use, uh, 0 through 9. The computers use 0 and 1, you know, binary. Everybody knows about binary. Yep. yep. We have a lot of stuff to uh, get through, but hopefully it should be fun for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... What was interesting for me is when I saw the topic of this, of this episode, I thought about, you know, uh, there, there was a time in my life, I think I must have been in sixth grade or seventh grade, where th- this idea of bases was introduced to us. I know it is now introduced more and more often and more, uh, and it's introduced earlier and earlier. But at the time that I grew up, which wasn't that long ago, uh, I may have first come across this concept around uh, age, I don't know, or grade seven, I think, seventh grade or so, uh, believe it or not. And uh, I just, I always took it for granted that uh, we had a base 10 system. And I, you know, again, I guess you could also describe it as maybe uh, buckets or uh, groupings or, or just any set where, where you know the way our n- numbering works. It just it it, it, it sort of restarts uh, once that bucket is full. But uh, yeah, I, I never even considered this, and I think that that might be fairly common, at least until people encounter binary, because that's really the only way to do it with a computer. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 certainly an interesting uh, idea in general. So. 
And the reason why it's the only way to do things with a computer, um, by the way, for our listeners, is that Gabriel, I, I mean, as you, you very well know as an ECE person um, yeah. um, in a school that, um, that, that logical symbols tend to either be um, on or off. I mean, they, that's all they are, on or off, right? Because yes. like a transistor can take like 4.9 volts or 5.1 and basically do the same thing with it. Yep, exactly. Like you could do a one and a zero in your house. Turn on a, a lamp. Your lamp went from zero to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's that's you know that's all of circuitry and all of all of communicating information. Thanks, you know, for the great description from Claude Shannon. That's the that's how you communicate information uh, using electronics. At least that's the m- most efficient way. I, I don't think that there's a more efficient way than that. You know, fundamentally, there really isn't. Oh yeah, and I will say though that the cool thing about Claude Shannon is that his information theory applies to not only binary but other stuff. It just happens to be measured in binary. But it was only being able to start measuring things in binary that really got us to that point. It was it was one of those instances of uh, math and science uh, supporting each other, which we've talked about on the show several times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we we do have this uh, problem of describing bases. Um, it's where they're they're already something that sometimes people find unintuitive on paper so uh, in an auditory format we're going to repeat things now and then uh, but hopefully that just helps you understand it better rather than detract from the explanation so uh, what is a base all right so when we count starting at zero we count zero one two three four five six seven eight nine but what comes after 9? 10, right? But how do we write down 10? We write down the number 1 followed by the number 0. The 1 in this case is next to the 0, to its left. So it represents 10 times what it would usually represent, which would be 1, resulting in 10 times 1, or 10 total. The 0 is added to this for a total of 10. If we had 11, we would add 1 to 10 for a total of 11, because we would have a 1 and a 1 in a row. Another example of deconstructing the number system can be applied to some random number, say 79. 79 is written as a 7 next to a 9. The 9 is all the way on the right, and since the 7 is to the left of the 9, it is in the 10's place. So 7 times 10 is 70, plus 9 is 79. The system continues like that. 1234 means 4, plus 3 times 10, plus 2 times 100, which is 10 times the previous multiplier, which was 10, plus 1 times 1,000, which is 10 times the previous multiplier, which is 100. Which, so as you, the total is 1,000 plus 200 plus 30 plus 4 is 1,234. As you go left, the place value gets 10 times bigger with every digit. This is what it means when we say we use a base 10 place value system. There are 10 digits, 0 through 9, and we use them in a row to denote quantities. And the cool part is that in a very short space, you can count all sorts of things. You can count, for example, the number of particles in the universe. The number of particles in the universe can be written down using only 80 characters. For reference, the sentence that you just heard contains a total of 95 characters, 104 if you include spaces. And if every particle were a planet with around 10 billion people on it, you could count all those people with only 10 more characters, 90 in total. It is a perfectly optimized system for denoting exact integers. And with a radix point, it could be used for fractional numbers as well. But more on that later. These numerals, 0 through 9, that is, are known as the Hindu-Arabic numerals and were developed between the 1st and 4th centuries CE by Indian mathematicians. They are introduced to Europe between the 10th and 16th centuries CE. 
Interesting. So, so in other words, if we were to summarize that in say one or two sentences, don't don't quote me on that. Essentially, uh, when we talk about a place value system and bases, we talk about what is the the fewest amount of symbols, or rather, what 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 are the total amount of symbols that are used to in any sort of combination represent any arbitrary number up through infinity. Well. I suppose infinity would be its own symbol, really. Uh, yeah, so, any uh, number approaching in infinity. As we were saying earlier, uh, in, in, our, in our number system, which is the Hindu-Arabic number system, uh, we have uh, just uh, 10 symbols, 0 through 9, that's it. And we, we represent every conceivable number using those symbols. I should probably add to that also uh, irrational numbers like pi uh, or e uh, and infinity and th things like that. But it's a, a, a very small number of symbols can represent almost uh, it really an infinite number of possible symbols can be represented by this finite uh, system uh, and what's interesting is uh, as we talk about different bases it's just a different number of symbols and the most fundamental one binary it's either a one or a zero or an, or an on or an off anything else whether it's our base 10 or hexadecimal or anything like that it's just an arbitrary number of symbols to work with which you use in yeah, combination yeah, exactly. And in binary, since we have either one or a zero, we have two different uh, bases. I'm, I mean, two different symbols. So we are in base two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, binary is base two. And if we had 16 symbols, we'd be in a hexadecimal. Mm-hmm. So real quick, I'd like to say uh, a couple of definitions here based on what we just said about bases and about symbols. Uh, bring us to our discussion about uh, numerals versus numbers. Uh, just for some clarification, numerals are what you write down. There are only 10. <laughs> I'm sorry, my son is banging a toy saw on my kitchen table. So with numbers versus numerals, there are only 10 numerals, that is 0 through 9. However, uh, those 10 numerals are used to make any amount. So that's the difference between numerals and numbers. So in, in any base system, the numerals are how many different symbols are included in that base. Yeah. And uh, numbers, uh, as opposed to numerals, however, are like abstract concepts. Like yeah. a number is the same no matter what base you use. Yes. It's just the numerals that you use to represent it might be different if you change bases. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, for this next section, let's go ahead and talk about some non-10 bases. Let's just say that we want to use uh, base 5. That is to say, we want to be able to represent all numbers or any number with only 5 digits, counting 0, 1, 2, 3, 4. What would come next? We yeah, write. and so with analogy with... Uh uh, t with uh, think about it in base 10 and this is always good to do analogies of bases mm -hmm. so in base 10 we count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 0 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 and then we have 10 right yes which has two digits in it 1 and a 0 exactly exactly so after we exhaust all of our numerals with four, we then start again with our one and we add a zero. Reason why, um, and I, when we talk about the word 10, the word 10 is older than positional numbering. What that means is that the number of fingers most people have, counting fingers on both hands, or the number following nine, uh, Old English 10. And that comes from Proto-Germanic Tehun, which comes from Proto-Indo-European Decum. And that's 4,500 to 2,500 years ago that this route takes place. Oh, wow. And that's way before any positional numbering was around. I mean, uh, Tehun from Proto 
Proto-Germanic is like 500 BC. And even the word 10, the modern one, formed the latest in like the 900s, which is right when uh, Hindu-Arabic numerals were hitting Europe. So basically, yeah, uh, because the, the reason why we say this is because sometimes people say that one zero in uh, binary is 10. And yeah. I use that shorthand myself from time to time. Uh, but in for the purposes of this episode, it's just confusing because we're going to use 10 to mean 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 a lot. And we're going to have one zero written in different ways. So um, basically, in this case, um, uh, if something is like one zero in base five, we're just literally going to say one zero base five. Cool. And the same goes for a hundred and thousand, which are from the Proto-Indo-European roots, kumtum uh, and tusunt, respectively, meaning the same quantities that they mean today. Wow, your, your, your pronunciation of these dead languages is quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, these reconstructed dead languages, yes, my I love the pronunciation enthusiasm. It cannot be verified, therefore it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it sounds like a military command or something. Just oh, Proto-Indo-European sounds so weird. Like tum and tusont. It's it's so weird. All that stuff. It has a lot of uh, consonant combinations that we don't have. Jesus, it's a, it's like a car accident of consonants. <laughs> I know, and I like how it kind of sounds like every language in Europe. <laughs> and uh, and like India and stuff like northern India because it's like it, it literally created languages in Europe. But I think we talk a little bit about Proto-Indo-European on Word, right? Yeah, yeah. Five? We do, we do. What's also interesting is is just in terms of sounds. Uh, if you want to talk about the evolution of languages the world over, it'd be interesting to actually trace sounds themselves because, you know, uh, think of like how French sounds and how I guess it would be described from our vantage point as softer and there's less consonants and things like that versus modern German. But also you can get into some um, uh, Semitic languages uh, that have a lot of um, what's the what term do we use for the throat sounds where it's like a lot of you know what I mean? Like, uh, like, those are often um, uh, obstruent. Uh, usually they're uh, um, uh, fricatives. Okay. Um, the the a, uh, ch sound that is found in uh, the the uh, the, uh, the uh, Scottish word loch, yes. and uh, that's uh, used in the pronunciation of some Spanish words in some places, and mm -hmm. is used in uh, Hebrew. Um, that is, uh, I, I believe, that's a uh, not pharyngeal, but that's a um, velar a, a, a velar fricative. A, Voiceless velar fricative. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. I just. I also find that an, another. Um, if you're gonna trace differences or keep track of differences in languages, and I realize we're. I, I'm sort of going off in a rabbit hole here. Um, sorry about that, but um, this is a good tangent. I'd be curious to like trace the origin and usage and popularity of just different sounds the world over and see how that evolves with languages as well and its use in communication, you know, because... Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, comparative linguistics is the field um, that, that... Yeah, uh, you should check it out. Comparative linguistics. Down. I will do that. Thank you. All the fun stuff we learn here through our little side tangent. So how are we going to count in non-10 bases? Like back to our base 5 example. So Simple, zero, one, two, three, four, then one zero. We're not gonna use things like 10, 100,000. One zero is followed by one, 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 two, one, three, one, four. Then we go down to two zero. That is equal to 10, which is the 10th number. We'll explain further. All right, so Gabriel's gonna keep track of how many numbers I have counted in base five uh, in this next little bit. Okay, so ready, Gabriel? Yes. All right, zero base five. That is the zeroth number, therefore the value of zero base five is zero. One base five. That is the uh, the first number. Therefore, the value of one base five is one. Two base five. Two base five is the second number. Therefore, the value of two base five is two. Three base five. Three base five is the third number. The value is three. 
4 base 5. Our fourth number, the value is 4. 1, 0 base 5. The fifth number, the value of 1, 0 base 5 is 5. 1, 1. The sixth number, the value of 1, 1 base 5 is 6. 1, 2 base the, 5. The seventh number, the value is 7. 1, 3 base 5. The eighth number, value is 8. 1, 4 base 5. The ninth number, the value is 9. 2, 0 base 5. The tenth number, the value is 10. 2, 1 base 5. The, the eleventh number, the value is 11. 2, 2 base 5. 2, 2 base 5 is the twelfth number, the value is 12. 2, 3 base 5. 13. 2, 4 base 5. 14. 3, 0 base 5. 15. 3, 1 base 5. 16. 3, 2 base 5. 17. And so on. And see, it's pretty easy. And if we're at 4, 4, the next one would be 1, 0, 0 base 5. Wait, and we're stopping? Uh, we're stopping yeah. now? I, I, I thought our listeners would want more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason we did that so tediously is just to kind of drive the point home, uh, how you count in uh, this. Now for this next section, we'd like to talk about how to take any arbitrarily large number in any base and how to rather quickly understand what that number is, at least in base 10. This is the very, very last, shall we say, grueling section of this uh, episode in which we go through some calculations. Then we're going to get into the history of bases, which will be very, very interesting. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, positional numbering systems and numbering systems and all that jazz. So, uh, yeah, so let's say we're, we have the number 1, 2, 4, 2, 3, base 5, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we, we always start with 0 uh, because it's a blank canvas, right? To, uh, and then we could add as we go. Yes. And it makes sense because, I mean, if, you, if 0, as we'll see in a lot of early uh, positioning systems, or in a few at least, mm -hmm. uh, was just a space. It wasn't actually a symbol. Yes. All right. So the, the very last number numeral in that, 1, 2, 4, 2, 3, is 3, right? Yes. And uh, in which place value is it in? Uh, so the three is going to be in the uh, ones place value, the, the, the smallest place value. Yeah, and it's the smallest because it's all the way to the right. That's just the convention we're using. Correct. So, um, all right, so we add three to our total of zero, and our total is what? Add three to our total, so now we, we have three, uh, exactly three in base 10. So three in base five is, is three in base 10. All right, so next, the number right next to two, I mean, right next to three is two. Correct. So what place value is that in? It is our second place value. So if this were in base 10, we would say it's in the tens place value, uh, but we will call this the, the next highest place value. So uh, the, the fives place value, I suppose, would be the term in base five. Yeah, well, at least our base 10 word for the fives place because, yeah, exactly, because like uh, the next space over would be five times five, right? Correct. That would be that place because uh, 10 times 10 is 100 and that's our hundreds place. Then t t 100 times 10 is 1,000 and then we have thousands place and then 10,000, 100,000 and so on. Yes. But since we are in base five, we have to multiply by five each time. Mm -hmm. So we have our ones place, our five place, and then five times five is what? Okay, so our ones place, our five place, then our 25s place. If we were and then uh, next to the 25's place would be five t 25 times 5, which is... 125. And we, so it's our 125's place. And then the number to the left of that would be in the 125 times 5's place or 625's place. Yep, exactly. And then that times 5. All right, so um, so 2 is in the 5's place, right? Mm-hmm, correct. 2 times 5 is? Uh, 10. 10, so the 2 in that place is worth 10. Mm -hmm. 10 plus our running total of 3 is? 13. Okay, so our number running total is 13. 
Correct. Uh, the digit to the left of two is four, uh-huh. and that is in the uh, 25s place, right? Correct. And so that four is worth how much? 100. Yeah, and then I add, and I'll add 100 to the uh, 13, which we have so far, and to equal our running total of 113. That's right. And then uh, the next place value is 125's place, and the digit is two. So mm-hmm. 125 times two is 100 is 250. That's right. Add that to 130. Yeah, and add that to 113 for a running total of 363. Yes. And then finally, our last digit to the left is in the 625's place. And remember, we had the ones, fives, 25's, 125's, and 625's place. The next one number would be the in the 3,125's place. But, um, yeah, so that digit would be worth uh, worth uh, 1 times 625, which is 625. And the 625 plus 363 is 988. Yep. So, therefore, 1, 2, 4, 2, 3, base 5 is 988. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, it's a, it's a much longer number in base 5, about twice the digits. And that is not a coincidence that base 5 is half a base 10 and uses twice the digits. But we'll get into that next episode. Yeah, exactly. We'd like to talk now about the origin of base systems um, the world over and throughout history. Um, now, before we go into that, I want to go and talk, talk about how a base system is created. We've already mentioned this in the episode, but just as a primer for this part of the podcast, a base system essentially is developed when um, a society needs to uh, make a, a counting system with a limited amount of symbols where, where a number of symbols are, go in sequence to stand for greater quantities. And also just in the series, uh, in, in the sequence of human events, like, yeah, like you said, a society that needs to manipulate numbers quickly and base systems are like the quickest way to do that. Yeah. And in fact, if I may, I'm always trying to bring in Shannon, Shannon's information theory. So when, when you have symbols, that is part of Shannon's Shannon's information theory. Also, um, when you want to re- reuse symbols, instead of um, having like, a, you know, 10, say, tally marks, you could just have the number one and zero and that stand for the same thing as long as you understand the rules. So that's a, an element of uh, what's the term in information theory when you condense things? I mean, are you talking about compression? Yes, compression. Thank you. Thank you. I had a brain fart. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so basically, the creation of a base system is literally a form of compression with information. And of course, that's using oh. symbolic representation as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's 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 like uh, yeah. I mean, I guess we could say too is that it, is that the packing is dense. Uh, uh, so that like not packing is I don't can't think of the uh, we'll we'll put like an addendum on the thing. But basically, the amount of digits that it takes to write something down, uh, the amount of symbols it takes using a. a a base system versus any equivalent system that uses the same uh, set of symbols mm-hmm. uh, will write things down in a smaller, it will write uh, like um, whole numbers down in a smaller amount of space. Yep, yep. And the only difference between the bases, of course, is how many symbols are used in that base. Uh, now, if we're going to talk about the origin of bases, uh, I guess we can start all the way back at the beginning. I guess that would be tally marks, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we've talked about tally marks before. Uh, mm-hmm. As, as for a uh, refresher, uh, tally marks are like, I mean, I'm sure like uh, 
I'm sure anybody's had to keep track of something one by one. And so they write something down on paper. They write four strokes in a row and cross them off with a diagonal and keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even that surely was a development. Somebody just got tired of uh, losing track of just doing, you know, uh, lines forever. Because, like, I have no idea how many that is. You know, how about we group them? And then they just chose five as the grouping. Yeah, and actually what's cool about that is that... Um, is that in some languages, the word for five and the word for hand are the same. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. Do you know which languages? I believe it's somewhere in Southeast Asia. Okay. I don't remember exactly where. We need to do more episodes on the evolution of language and linguistics. I want to I hit, hit that area again. That's such a fascinating area. Um, oh, yeah, right. So now, in, in, in our talks and planning this episode, you had talked about uh, the actual base of tally marks. And I, I, was, I was interested in, in what you described it as. What, what, what base did you say that tally marks are? Uh, tally marks are known as a unary base system, and unary is base one. Now, if you think about it, it's kind of funny because, like, we were talking earlier, you know, about how base 10 was like you, the furthest to the right is a uh, place value one, mm -hmm. and then to its left is place value 10, mm -hmm. and then 100, and you keep multiplying by 10. Well, in base one, you just keep multiplying by one. So in base one, like, one, 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 one would just be 11 because there's 11 ones in a row. Yep. Pretty basic. And this yeah. was used, gosh, so so back when they just had to keep some accounting of things uh, from 250 to 350 centuries. Um, now, I'm sorry, is that the duration it was used for or how long ago it was used? Oh, how long ago? How long ago? It, it's been in use. It's currently in use. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, but like, uh, yeah, it's been in use, though, for 25,000 to 35,000 years, 250 to 350 centuries. Okay. And for reference, like coherent writing has only like a, uh, like uh, writing that uh, actually means sentences like definitely mm -hmm. has only been around for about 46 centuries. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I mean, hum humans have only been around for like 2,500 centuries. So about anywhere from like 10 to 15% of the time that we've been around, we've been using tally marks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's just wild. Okay. Awesome. So Egyptian numerals. Uh, Egyptian numerals, uh, I, I, maybe a lot, some of you have seen this in like a book growing up, or they're kind of, or sometimes they teach them in school, like just for fun. Mm -hmm. But basically, uh, Egyptian numerals are kind of like uh, Roman numerals, but instead of having fives and fifties and stuff, all they had were symbols for ones, tens, hundreds, thousands, and they're all different symbols. So to write 123, you would have to write uh, one symbol for 100, two symbols for 10, and three symbols for one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had things like feathers and stuff like that for their numbers, right? Yeah, like uh, I, uh, I, I wish I had the internet right now uh, to look it up, but I, I think uh, like they had like uh, feathers, uh, like feathers, I believe. I think a million was a god uh, sitting down or a king sitting down. Uh, then uh, like a, a ten was like a, or a hundred was like a lotus flower. Okay, I see. Interesting. Oh, you know what else we should have uh, looked up in, in the evolution of, the, of these languages? Hebrew, because I know that there are, um, I think they have both numbers and letters with their alphabet as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, Greek has something similar to that. But in Hebrew, it's also incorporated into uh, a, a mystical system that is used in certain uh, subsections of the Jewish faith, such as Kabbalah, mm -hmm. uh, and it's known as um, gematria. Interesting. I had no idea about that. Um, hmm. I'm going to Google search what base is Hebrew numbers. 
Uh, uh, it's, I mean, the closest they could say is their base 10. But I mean, okay, the way that Hebrew numbers and Greek numbers work is that there's a, there's a symbol for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Mm-hmm. And then there's a different symbol for 10 and another completely different symbol for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, mm-hmm. 200, 300, 400, 500, etc. Oh, wow. And basically it's limited by the number of letters in the alphabet. Get, so according to Google, okay, this is according to, to Wikipedia, I just says base 32. <laughs> a system that can be written both um, with both all Arabic numerals and all Hebrew letters, uh, much how as much how base 36 is written with all Arabic numerals. Interesting. Okay, there's more to it than that, but still, that's interesting. You know, they, yeah. So, uh, anyways. I mean, I, I'm, I, that it's not a place value system though, so you can't really say it has a base. Okay. And you say, yeah, unfortunately. Whoever wrote that, whoever wrote that article, maybe we should write them something. Yeah, we should uh, send them a copy of uh, of uh, of this outline. I don't know. You're right. There's another comment here from another forum where somebody talks about this is not a base system. It's um, because the system is not positional. It's aggregate. The value of a of a letter or symbol does not depend on its position the way it does in decimal or binary, but only on the letter itself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And it's it is something. Uh, it is something that we could totally talk about, uh, like in this context. And yeah, and I'm glad we brought it up because Egyptian numerals are also uh, aggregate uh, numerals. Uh, they're not positional. And even Babylon and Babylonian numerals, while they while they are positional, a lot of times uh, zeros uh, were just indicated by spaces, or sometimes they wouldn't even write the spaces at all. It was very mm-hmm. confusing. Yeah. It, it had a symbol for zero after a while, but it was more of a placeholder than uh, anything. It was wasn't really considered its own number. Yeah. So here's where things get interesting. Now, this gets interesting because when we're talking about base systems, there's a lot of things that are that I understand, like base 10, they, you know, they say we believe one explanation could be because we have 10 fingers. So if you're counting with 10 fingers, you got to start over after you're out of fingers. So how do you do that? You know, but uh, when you get to the base of the Sumerian and Babylonian numeral systems, things get interesting. They are, I believe, uh, how do you say it? Sexagesimal? Uh, sexagesimal, I think. <laughs> sexagesimal, like GIF. Or it might be sexagesimal. Hold on. Want to take a guess? Sexagesimal. Okay. Okay. Cool. And that is divided into base six through ten system. Uh, not six through ten. Uh, base six and ten system, kind of like a clock. So uh, basically, the way that Babylonian and Sumerian numerals worked yeah. is that um, th- is that you would write uh, there's a number there's symbols for one through nine, and basically what those were were just a. Uh, uh, a one mark, two marks, three marks, all the way through nine marks, but they were arranged in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, nine was always uh, three marks by three marks, and these marks were ma- uh, made uh, I- using a stylus uh, in clay um, in a type of writing known as cuneiform, which is specialized for writing in clay. So basically, back to that. So once you got to uh, nine, once you got to nine, their a uh, thing for ten was like it was like a one. It was like a, a sideways one, so it's kind of like a ten, and then like you and you would ke- keep counting all the way to fifty nine. So fifty nine would be five sideways uh, marks, and uh, nine uh, marks up and down, and then and then you would have sixty. But instead of sixty, but the way that sixty was represented in sexagesimal would be one zero. And so uh, basically, the, the way that the Babylonians would have written that down is a one followed by a space holder, or in the early system, just a one. Yeah, interesting. Now, one of the things that we were talking about earlier is the significance of a sexagesimal system. And I think some of the significance that we had said is this is very nice for a year divided into 360 days, which we know it's not really 360. It's 360, you know, and 
and some change. But this brings up the question, and I don't necessarily have the answer. The most of conv- like uh, plausible, I believe, uh, things for uh, like explanations I've heard for Sumerian and Babylonian numerals was that um, it's divisible by so many things because 60 is divisible by 2, 3, uh, 4, 5, uh, 6, um, let's see, 10, mm-hmm. 15, 20, uh, 30, and 30. Okay. So it's divisible by so many things. So it's really good for trade. And not only that, it's really good for a lot of applications because like, um, let's say that we, let's say, and they, because they had a system kind of like us. Um, so let's say that we wanted to write like something with like, uh, like let's say we use two Babylonian decimal places. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the number of, uh, decimal places that that would be about 3.56 decimal places with just uh, two uh, symbols okay and and of course the symbols were subdivided but it's still really nice for doing things like accounting and uh, uh, like astronomy interesting yeah yeah because before you said that you know the convenience of all the uh, you know uh, ways of um, dividing by 60 I was thinking that somehow you know they must have had astronomers who were counting how many days there were before the planets were realigned and that that requires some sophistication you know so first there's the counting and then there's somebody who says okay we got to have a more efficient way of doing this and then and then you know we assume that's where the base system came from so interesting interesting discussion oh yeah and 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 also I think a really a plot a lot of Babylonian and Sumerian writing um, uh, comes from a uh, trade uh, interestingly enough uh, what they would do is they would write uh, they would have like little clay tokens that they would so like say I bought like 60 sheep that have like a, a, like a 60 little clay sheep that they would put in a pot mm-hmm. and then they would uh, they sealed the pots often uh, as like a little uh, as like a, a way of like authenticating the, authenticating them but then people are like okay what's in the pot then and they kept having to break them open to review contracts mm-hmm. so they started writing them on the surface of the pots um, and then they eventually just uh, got rid of the little beads altogether mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, in the, and honestly the, the amount of trade that was going on in ancient Sumer and Babylon like would have required a lot of like really big numbers I mean they were t- dealing in like tons of like things like copper and uh, hundreds of thousands of bricks and things like that okay yeah, yeah. interesting okay yeah so then uh, trade is the other part of it that, that's a fun conversation about about uh, human environment interaction and, and humans and the evolution of culture uh, through trade and for and through warfare and what made us who we are today both in ideology and culture and everything oh yeah Oh, and one thing, oh, and also if I forgot that uh, 60 is divisible by 12 as well. Oh. Also, uh, I was going to say that clocks are uh, base 60. Uh, that's when we use it today. Um, and we, we kind of do it the same way that the Babylonians did, honestly. Like, we write each digit, like each base 60 digit as two base 10 digits, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a minute is like an hour, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds long, we write it as 1 colon 42 colon 12, right? Yes. And But the amount of seconds that that movie is long is 3,600 times 1 plus 42 times 60 plus 12, which is, if you notice, is very much like the algorithm or process or whatever we were using to uh, figure out uh, base non-10 bases earlier. And uh, they just kind of verifies it. And I just thought it was a good example of when we use a non-10 base and have to convert in daily life. Yeah. So we still use those Sumerian ideas even today. How about that? Oh, and also 360 degrees in a circle that comes from that. Yeah, that's true too. So um, now there's some a whole lot of other cultures here on our outline. Uh, Mayan numerals. Now these are interesting. Um, there's a term here. <laughs> I'm gonna let you pronounce that. A vigesimal. Vigesimal. Okay, that sounds like a medicine or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
so the, the way that vigesimal worked is that uh, the, the Mayans used this and the the digits uh, were kind of subdivided the same way the Babylonians were. So like like the numeral representing 13, for example, uh, would uh, have be two horizontal lines stacked on top of each other with three dots in a row across their top. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because the horizontal lines are worth five each and the dots are worth one each. Mm-hmm. So two times five is 10 plus three is 13. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, really convenient for, um, for uh, d- doing... Um, the, the calendrical math, which was for some reason was based around a, a year length of 360, which doesn't make much, which I mean, what must have been a very, very early development because I knew that the Mayans uh, were able to uh, uh, measure with accuracy the uh, uh, precession of stars um, up to like a uh, 365.25 degrees of uh, days a year. Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder what's with the discrepancy. Yeah, the, uh, the it was what interesting about Mayans uh, numerals is that they're their uh, ritual numbers, uh, uh, often calendrical numbers, were base 20 in every digit but the second to the last one, which was base 18, hmm. which is annoying. But like, so basically the way that you would count there is that, is that you could think of every place value as having you know, a certain amount of digits that it can access. Mm-hmm. And the second to the last one only had 18 that it could access. Yeah. And we'll, and, uh, so, uh, and yeah, we'll talk about mixed base systems, uh, next time, uh, because it's a little more involved and I want to, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, as you're saying, um, yeah, this, this just fascinates me. It just fascinates me that, you know, that the, where, where these societies developed calendars. Cause you, cause I don't know. I like, I, I, I never lack, uh, amazement at it, you know, like, cause you had to have people who took the time to look at the stars and not only that, but keep track of them. So, so this ability develops when people, you know, keep track of things and recognize things, you know? So that's, yeah. And there's a famous, uh, uh monument, uh, or like, stone thing uh, like not it's a petroglyph it's a famous petroglyph in uh new mexico i think it's i can't remember where it is mm-hmm. but it's a, a spiral that's carved on a rock it's basically the it's basically the angle of a certain star uh as uh, measured at a certain uh, time every night or something like that yeah bases help us talk about how many things there are but what about decimal points and what about other concepts what can we do to make them harder to talk about how many things there are? What about <laughs> fractional bases? What about irrational bases? What's the deal with complex bases? Can we break bases? Have we finally broken math? Are we so vain? Tune in next week. I'm Sophia. And I'm Gabriel. And this has been Breaking Math. Uh, you can always find us on... Uh, uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Breaking Math Podcast. Uh, Twitter at Breaking Math Pod. Uh, we, our website, Breaking Math Podcast.app. Um, what else? Oh, gosh. Um, but, 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 uh, I shouldn't do that. So we are also helping to create a new show. A friend of the show is is um, making the Touring Rabbit Holes podcast. It's a YouTube show, in fact, and it's from a physicist's perspective. And he's a good friend of ours. So check out YouTube.com slash Touring Rabbit Holes Podcast, and you can see it.
Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, definitely go check that out. And uh, the Patreon for the pod for the podcast just mentioned Turing Rabbit Holes is uh, patreon.com slash Turing Rabbit Holes. And you could donate to help out uh, that show. Um, and also in Breaking Math, uh, you could do the same thing. Patreon.com slash Breaking Math. And if you donate like uh, five bucks, you can get outlines to the show. Honestly, I'm going to change that to like a dollar probably soon, uh, yeah. if not by the time this episode's out. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, we have a, the silver l- level is is a dollar. You know what I want to do? I want to rename it my, my levels. If we have silver and gold and like platinum, I want to have like cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Why do we choose such uh, such uh, like uh, boring things? Like, yeah, y'all should choose some cool stuff, and we should re- redo our uh, levels for. Yeah. Us, uh, ob- and also, I'm just realizing that this is very much an off-air discussion. But thank you for tuning in to Breaking Math. Yeah, thank you much, you guys. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.